Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of Brace for Impact. I am your impact player of WrestleAttic Radio, Nate DF and Great, and we're going to be covering Destination X 2005, the first of its kind in the company's history, and one of those shows that I'm honestly kind of looking forward to, because when I think about TNA, Bound for Glory and Slammiversary are always like the top two shows I think about when it comes to the company. But Destination X has had some pretty good matches on the show. So I'm really interested in seeing how this show plays out. And honestly, I looked at some of the reviews from back in the day, and some people actually said that this was probably the best show that TNA had created so far. I will be the judge of that. Uh, Destination X took place on March 13, 2005 in Orlando, Florida, with an attendance of 775 people, with, unfortunately, a lot of people being turned away because they did not have enough room. But obviously, as time goes down, it definitely does, you know, get better with, with you know, with the sizes of the crowd. With that also being said, uh, 20,000 pay-per-view buy rates, same as what it was at the last show. Like I said, it's going to be a consistent deal, but the numbers are going to go up next month, so kind of looking forward to that one. Uh, this show was by far the show that you finally got to see some big-time uh, players in the main event, that being DDP and Jeff Jarrett, not trying to knock on anybody else that they've had in the main event beforehand, but DDP definitely was one of the more credible, you know, big-time wrestlers of that time. So it is kind of one of those things where I'm very interested in talking about this. Uh, Going into the pre-show, we had Chris Candido and Andy Douglas defeating Lex Lovett and Buck quarter main somehow they were involved in wrestling uh and they actually make an appearance on the show both of these teams actually make their way onto the big show uh kid cash and lance hoyt they defeated cassidy riley and jarell clark and yeah no we're gonna go right into the matches themselves uh the opening was unique in a way because of the fact that it had the kind of deal where they had this uh, quote and they also went back and forth from the quote to uh, screenshots and videos of the wrestlers throughout the night Uh, especially hyping up the big main event matches which were the world title match the X Division title match and honestly I believe that they really hyped up the false counting match so it's one of those things where don't really know what to expect, but those are the three matches that are going to get the most time, which I will talk about a little bit. The fact that uh, that does kind of hurt some of the matches on here. But we go into the opening. We have the fans. They have their entire moment. There's one fan who actually had a sign that basically said, Jeff Hardy, I am willing to leave my husband if you meet me at this location. And it's one of those things where I get Jeff Hardy is attractive, but at the same time, you really want to just throw away your marriage for the charismatic enigma. I'm sorry. I paid to be that person, but 
just seems a little bit over the top, to say the least. So we also get an update on Abyss, who apparently during the pre-show actually got arrested. And then he got released, and they're saying that the Falls Count Anywhere match between Abyss and Jeff Hardy will indeed take place. Interesting, interesting to say the least, but it is what it is. We're moving on. We have the eight-man tag team matchup to open up the card, in which we have three live crew, Conan and BG James, taking on America's Most Wanted, Chris Harris and James Storm, uh, teaming up with America's Most Wanted, I should say. Uh, and these two teams are taking on Team Canada's P.D. Williams, Eric Young, Bobby Roode, and the debuting A1, who just debuted with them not too long ago, but this is his pay-per-view debut and the first appearance of him on Brace for Impact. I can honestly say that this guy doesn't exactly stand out to me, so I'm kind of interested in seeing if maybe he changes that. We get a bit of an interesting intro with BG and Conan, where they do the classic, you know, uh, three live crew deal. They're talking about about you know where the fans at and. <laughs> BG goes for his classic deal where he's like, Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, tonight, NWA TNA proudly brings to you its next tag team champions of the world. He gets stopped by Chris Harris. It's one of those things where it's like, ooh, that's that's going to hit a hard note. That's going to hit a hard uh, soft spot there. But uh, we start off the show, the matchup, with Young and Harris doing like this weird kind of leapfrog deal where... Uh, they where one of them drops down, and then the other person leaps above them. Then they leap above it. It's this uniquely leapfrog deal, and it ends with Eric Young falling to the outside of the ring with his final leapfrog deal. <laughs> oh my gosh! There's so many cells during this event that I could talk about when it comes to Eric Young because he just oh my gosh, he was a highlight for this show. It was absolutely great. Um, but every single member of Team Canada gets thrown out. And then Storm gets back body dropped. I'm sorry, Spagingoed onto Team Canada. And then we see the Canadians work on Chris Harris's arm a little bit, including Petey Williams hitting like a spinning arm breaker from the ropes. It kind of looked like a tornado DDT version of it. We see a flying clothesline by Harris, which allows him to tag to Conan, who hits a rolling clothesline. Alabama slam, a hip toss, an X-Factor, and a nice dropkick to every single member of Team Canada. He goes for the Tequila Sunrise, but gets broken up. We see Scott Demore go to the top rope for some reason. He gets thrown off of the top turnbuckle, which I thought was hilarious. But then Bobby Roode comes in with the Northern Lights lariat, uh, a clothesline to the back of the head on Conan. For the victory for Team Canada at 8 minutes and 53 seconds. I gave this one a C because the fact was that this matchup was really starting to get good, but I feel like they did not give it enough time to really showcase, you know, Team Canada and 3 Live Crew. Honestly, this was probably my favorite Conan performance ever since starting this debut. He looked really good in this matchup. So, positive thing I could say about that is that it's definitely making me. Very happy to see Conan getting better. Uh, but 3 Live Crew definitely has quite a bit of a presence in this event itself. And I'll talk more about that as the show goes on. 
We go backstage and Trinity and Tracy, they're arguing with each other. Dusty Rhodes is saying, like, I'm so excited, baby, to see your two teams fight against each other when your winner is going to be my personal assistant. Johnny Fairplay, he comes in. He's basically just like, I want another chance. Please give me another chance. And Dusty's like, okay, baby, I'll tell you what you do. You go find two people. You go find yourself a tag team. And we will have, and you can have your opportunity. So Johnny's doing that. He gives two uh, cheek kisses to Trinity and Tracy. Uh, hashtag Dusty is a player. <laughs> it is literally how it looks like in this entire concept. Ever since I started this, I literally think to myself, wow, they're really making freaking Dusty Rhodes into a player. I guess being a plumber definitely does something with the women that they could find it attractive. Next up, we have Chase Stevens with Chris Candido and Andy Douglas taking on Chris Sabin in a singles matchup right here. This is kind of interesting because the there's not really too much build when it comes to this, much like the last matchup. But, hey, it's Creatures Chris Saban, so can't really say too much bad about that. We see uh, Chris Saban hit a Hurricane Rana that throws Chase Stevens to the outside, and then he hits a dive onto the outside onto Chase Stevens. Douglas and Candido, they knock Saban off of the apron and beat him down. Uh, there's a point where Chris Saban does a leap, and Chase Stevens gets his foot up and it's a questionable point where I said that seemed like a low blow um I guess we see a inverted backbreaker and then he follows it up with a uh reverse STO and moonsault by Chase Stevens Saban's able to get back with an inverted atomic drop he hits the insiguri and tornado DT very nice and Doug uh Andy Douglas gets into the ring and kicks Saban, question mark. It's kind of one of those things where it looked like a bit like a botch. Uh, and it seems like the referee saw it, so that should have been a disqualification. But what the hell do I know at this point? Um, Chase Stevens does a weird kind of roll-up deal. Grabs the tights. It looks like he's going to steal the victory here. But Saban's able to counter and pin Chase Stevens at 6 minutes and 18 seconds. Post-match, we see Candido... And Douglas beat down on Saban until a masked man comes in and evens the odds, helps him out, and it's revealed to be Shocker. And he's made his TNA debut, for those of you that might know. Now, CMLL, I believe it is, in Mexico, one of their biggest stars. So this was kind of one of those big deals. Honestly, I've seen a couple matches with Shocker, and I've been impressed. So I'm kind of interested in seeing what they do with him. Uh, this match itself is another C. This is another one of those matches where I think if they would have gotten more time, it would have been beneficial. It would have really given this matchup a lot more weight. We could have seen a lot more of the heel tactics. And I think the other thing that kind of hurts it is some of the weird spots where you question whether something's like a low blow or you question something's like a disqualification. It's just really weird to kind of see that. But let's not waste any time, guys. We're going into the next matchup, which is a Texas bull rope match between Dusty Road, Dustin Rhodes, and Raven. Obviously, I've covered their matchup at the last show. I was thinking, well, maybe this matchup will be better. Is it? Well, it's a Texas bull rope match, not like how WWE did it, where you touch the four corners. It's literally just first pinfall submission picks up the win. So, has that. Uh, 
after they finally get tied up to the ropes on the wrist, Dustin's able to pull Raven into the post. Uh, misses a cowbell, but throws Raven into a guardrail. He uses the bell on him, punishing him, pulls him into the turnbuckle, and chokes Raven on the top rope. So Dustin's definitely getting a lot of offense in here until Raven pulls Dustin off of the top rope. Raven sets up a chair into a corner and tosses Dustin into it. He kind of bumps into it in a unique way. Some people go like head first into that chair that's wedged in there. He actually puts his full back into it. It's kind of a unique spot. And I kind of dug it, actually. Raven Starred uses the bell. And he then hits uh, Dustin with, like, the edge of the chair to the back of the neck of Dustin. Uh, he goes for a dive on Dustin, who is on the chair. But Dustin moves out of the way, thankfully. Uh, Dustin does his classic uh, gold dust punch, where, you know, he drops down, punches him faced inverted atomic drop he goes for a uh, goes for the, the corner punches where he did you know they go to the top the second rope punch him but then he adds a little bit of uh, dusty flavor to it where he does the hand gestures and elbow to the head he misses the bulldog first time get some punches oh my god this spot was weird so raven has the chair and no, he has a second chair, that's right. He pulls in the second chair. It looks like he's going to hit Dustin in the face with it. Dustin looks like he punches the chair into Raven's face. And then he's able to hit Raven into the bulldog onto the setup chair in the ring for the win. After the match is over, Team Canada comes in, beats down Dustin until America's Most Wanted comes in to make the save. And that's the end of that. This was a D matchup. This was one where I was very disappointed in because at 6 minutes and 10 seconds again, this could have gone better if it gone longer. And I think that's also the reason why I got such a lower grading than the first two matches because it's the third time that they've done this. I hated seeing that. I hated the fact that they did this again. And they could have had so many other matches they could have probably pulled off some of the uh, time away from to give more time to some of these matches. I really do believe that. Otherwise, just don't have the matches on here. It's really not that hard. <laughs> so we get a promo for the tag team match coming up with the Disciples of Destructions versus Phi Delta Slam, in which they do showcase the teams very well. Uh... They don't really go full on to like the whole story of Tracy and Trinity, which I think is the main focus on this. But they really don't really show how they got here. They kind of went like, oh, we're going to only cover like a month of it. Where it was like, no, you guys have been doing this for months ever since you had that scavenger hunt that made me scratch my head and question so many things in life. But you don't even include that. That makes no sense. Uh, during this promo, again, I look at this and I think, hashtag Dusty. No, this is a new one. Uh, Dusty is a horn dog because he literally is just... There's there's like one point where Dusty comes out of the truck and then Trinity's just like fixing herself up, making herself look good like she did something with Dusty. Yeah, okay. Okay. I totally believe that. 
we go into the I call this the tag booty match I really wish that this was not the case but it really is but it's really one of those things where it's all about who gets to be Dusty Rhodes personal assistant like I said, we've got Tracy represented by the Disciples of Destruction, Don Harris and Ron Harris. And Phi Delta Slam is representing Trinity, uh, Bruno, looks like Bruno Sassi, and Big Tilly, who some people will be surprised to know that later on they would become uh, Rocco and Sal for the Main Event Mafia years down the road. So, kind of a nice little tie-in, but... We go into the matchup. Uh, Disciples take the early advantage, just knocking out and knocking down uh, Bruno and Till. Uh, crazy out of the ring moment where it looks, I believe that was Till who gets clothesline to the outside of the ring. And he looks like he lands on his head onto the apron. It was a bit of a crazy spot. Uh, we see a choke slam, which was okay. I wouldn't say that it was like Hogan Taker levels of bad, but it was definitely one where it was like, eh, that could have gone better. Uh, we see a chair shot uh, to Bruno. No DQ, apparently, because of the fact that the referee was distracted. Okay. Um, we really get this like weird tag team botch where uh, the disciples are doing like an Irish whip deal one drops down i think the other one is supposed to do some kind of move but then they just made it look into a backdrop uh trinity just gives a distraction which gives fly the advantage and they hit this very unique tag team of where they did like a series of like running hits i think there's like elbows and punches then the final one was a clothesline they hit a double elbow uh kitchen sink by bruno and an elbow drop by tilt the back of the head uh, Till goes to fly, but he's distracted for uh, Trinity to hit the... But, well, he's a distraction, I should say that. He was a distraction for the referee. Trinity goes for a moonsault. She hits one of the disciples of uh, destruction, but she, he, the guy also kind of no-sells it for her, so she catches her, but doesn't quite give that much and but then she just gets tossed right into the crowd and she sells that very well Trinity does an amazing job uh, Till goes for a elbow drop from the top but misses it and eats a clothesline uh, five thrown I <laughs> five thrown into each other both the big guys are thrown into each other uh, Trin does a kicks onto the outside Fi does a double clothesline Till hits the splash but is distracted by, I believe it was Bruno. He's on the outside, beating down one of the Harris brothers. He is distracting the referee. It seems like Trin's got the win here, but that is not the case. So Till is literally just arguing with the referee enough to where we see a little bit of twin magic by the Don Harris brothers, who the the Harris brothers, disciples of destruction. They literally look like the same thing they're like two big guys that are bald wearing jeans and a biker jacket why not and in the end we see it looks like it's going to be a big splash by uh, Tilly but we see a big boot by one of the disciples 
for the win. And Tracy Brooks is the personal assistant of Dusty Rhodes. Honestly, this was one that I was kind of thinking, do I really be harsh about the fact that this is a weird matchup? But then I thought I kind of liked it, so I actually gave this one a B. Compared to all the other matches, this one had the right amount of time. It was given the right amount of pacing. Uh, despite a couple of the botches on there, I was still entertained by this matchup. It was really weird to me because I thought, well, this matchup is just two throwaway teams just put into this matchup for whatever reason. And honestly, I don't think it would have worked if it was a more established team. So this was the right people, the right place at the right time. So, so far, this has been the best matchup in the card, in my opinion. Very interesting, to say the least. So Johnny Fairplay goes to Dustin and America's Most Wanted. He's basically like, you know, I could be, you know, your tag. Yeah, I could be your manager. Uh, we could do like a three-person uh, ta tag team deal. Uh, basically, Dustin says, hey, Dustin, AMW say, you pass the challenge, then you can manage. Literally, they have Johnny Fairplay on his hands and knees. They're dumping hay on him. And then they put a straddle, a horse straddle on his back. And James Storm just grows on top of the straddle. He's just riding Johnny Fairplay, and Johnny runs away. That was the literal segment and I'm literally like what the hell is this this was weird to say the least <laughs> so <laughs> so in my notes um, up next is Monty Brown versus Triton I have on here fork versus alpha male <laughs> so the buildup for this is very interesting because it's literally talking about how Triton's going to be this force you that you shouldn't reckon with um, and he's targeting the alpha male. And the moment that they said this is going to be Triton's TNA debut match was against Mo Monty Brown, I literally thought this cannot end well. This is not going to end well. Uh, Triton also comes out to an early version of the British Invasion theme. For those of you that remember the British Invasion from later TNA times, that's literally what this theme song was about. It was kind of cool, actually. So... Triton is no-selling the punches. Uh, Brown, he counters a chokeslam attempt. It looks like Triton is going for a uh, back body drop, but it turns into a press, and it literally gets to a point where I almost got scared because Monty Brown was almost twerking to the point where it did seem like he was going to land on his head. I was really scared about that. Um, Triton goes for another chokeslam. It gets countered. Uh, they do a little bit of fighting on the outside. A very nice chop by uh, Triton. He pulls uh, Brown into the ring post through the uh, areas there. They have the ultimate X deal set up. So there's a ring post and then there's another post where they have the structure. So he pulls him through there. There's a point where both of them do a uh, gut kick. It was a really weird spot. It literally looks like they were both trying to kick each other but only one connected because why not uh <laughs> monty brown he hits and i use the term hits very loosely because he does a couple of punches to triton they do not hit you see from that camera angle that they took it was bad uh chokeslam by triton only a two count monty brown hits a 
dropkick. I was not expecting that. Triton with an F5 attempt, but Brown's able to hit a fallaway slam. Then we see the lights go out, and Triton is replaced by a Max Man. Monty Brown's able to hit the pounce on the Mass Man for the win, but then Triton's up on the rampway. And on here, it has it as a no contest between Triton and Monty Brown at 5 minutes and 26 seconds. Oh my gosh, this match was such a pain in the ass. This was bad. Um, I didn't think this early I would give this grading because I was saving it for a match I know was going to be worse than this one. But, ladies and gentlemen, we are making history. This is the... This is the first time we get to utilize this. This was a failure of a match. This gets an F. There was literally no reason for this match to exist. There was no reason for this match to happen. This was an abomination on the entire pay-per-view. This was the skid mark on the entire deal. It was bad. It was really, really bad. And it sucks because Monty Brown was on such a roll. I really started liking him. And they pull this crap on him. Because why not? Just... Why not? This just made me sad. But it's okay. Okay. Four more matches. It's fine. So, next up is the False Count Anywhere matchup in which Abyss is challenging Jeff Hardy. But this is basically going to be the... dubbed the final assault. So it's like the final match between the two of them. I, I guess that makes sense. So... um. Yeah, this pipe package was weird because it felt like it was a music video for Jeff Hardy's theme song. I mean, it literally is one of those things where you hear that theme song all throughout the entirety of this entire deal. It was really, really weird. I was not for it. It was just really not my cu cup of tea, but it is what it is. Abyss goes for a chair and a shock treatment attempt, but Jeff Hardy is able to get out of that. He does a clothesline to Abyss outside of the ring, and then he dives onto Abyss off of a chair. Abyss and Hardy <laughs> fight into the crowd, into the, like the backstage area where we see like a lot of the trailers. There was even like this weird floaty kind of deal, like a like like a parade float floater right there. So that was interesting. <laughs> there was some random person that, as Abyss is setting up two tables, literally this fan yells out, Hit him with the coffee! <laughs> I, that, got a, that got a chuckle out of me. I thought that was great. Uh, Abyss gets set up onto these two tables. Jeff Hardy is climbing onto one of these X structures onto, on the side of the building. He gets into the middle of the X. He hits a swanton bomb from 20 feet into the air. Uh get the first pin attempt of the match he kicks out Hardy and Abyss they fight into the crowd again and one of the things that I mentioned earlier was that there was a uh, deal where they had only so many people they could let into the mat into the arena that there were fans that actually uh, turned away so there were some turned away fans in the backstage area that are just kind of watching this so they got a nice little preview of that Falls Count Anywhere deal that was kind of cool so, Hardy gets racked up onto the guardrail. Abyss, he grabs two chairs, and he's trying to set them up. But then Hardy, he hits a poetry in motion with the chairs. He gets momentum, but is stopped by a big boot 
from Abyss. He hits a second rope splash with the chair on Hardy. He goes for a seated splash, but then the chair gets wedged between <laughs> Abyss's crotch as he was about to come down. And then we see two chair shots to the head by Hardy. Hardy grabs a ladder. He sets it up in the ring. Both Abyss and Hardy are fighting each other onto the, with the la- while climbing up the ladder. Hardy knocks him off. He does his classic uh, Hardy leg drop where he leaps over the ladder and hits it on Abyss for a two count. We see Hardy go for the twist of fate, but he counters it into the shock treatment. Abyss runs into the chair that he set up into the corner earlier. Uh, Hardy goes for the roll-up for a near three count. Abyss sets up a table, and he goes for he goes the top rope, but Hardy goes up. And it looks like he's going to hit the top of Frankenstein, but Abyss counters it. Powerbomb through the table. Not enough. Abyss grabs Hardy, goes for the choke slam, slam, but Hardy counters it into the twist of fate onto the ladder for the win. After the match is over, Abyss attacks Hardy. He grabs a bag of tacks, pours it out, hits a black hole slam on Hardy into the tacks. And that's about it. I gave this one a B. Unfortunately, this was not their better matchup. And I hate the fact that this was a false count anywhere match, that the final fall happened inside the ring. It made absolutely no sense to have that happen. If they would have had the finish end at like the announcer's table and then they brought, you know, the, the tax deal into the ring, maybe that would have made more sense, but I could have also seen Abyss doing that on like the entranceway or something like that. I just hate seeing false count anywhere matches end in the ring. It makes no sense. Yes, I know, false count anywhere. But you could have every match end in the ring. Why not have this end outside the ring? That's my argument for it. So we go to another backstage Johnny Fairplay deal in which He's talking to Team Canada, who are just so happy with everything. They're like, this was the right way to get everything going. The tag team titles are going to be ours. The X Division title is going to be ours again. And not even the world title is with it, is, you know, is not is not within our reach. So Johnny's just like, I want to be a part of Team Canada. He's got the Canadian flag. And Bobby Roode literally just like, get the hell out of here. Scares him away. Not But not before... Johnny Flair play comes in, starts singing the Canadian National Anthem horribly, and he gets chased away again. Because why not? <laughs> that's, that's like my phrase for this now. I just That's how I explain wrestling, and it's great. Um, next up, we have Kevin Nash versus the Outlaw in a first blood matchup where their fists are taped. Makes it a little bit more interesting. The hype package is really weird because they show the Outlaw coming in and costing Nash the NWA world title, but they also show that there's like a drift between uh, three live crew because of the fact that uh, BG James and Outlaw have history between them, so Conan's kind of getting a little pissy about it, but then they kind of sort of sprinkle the fact that Nash wants revenge on Outlaw, so it is what it is. What is. Uh, perfect way to start this match. These guys are just brawling each other. You see punches, you see kicks. Literally, that's how this matchup should have started, and it did. Outlaw works onto onto the leg. He even does the deal where he pulls Nash's leg to the post and wraps it around. 
he grabs a screwdriver and it looks like he's gonna, you know, stab Nash in the head. And he even gets to a point where it almost looks like he's gonna hit him in the eye. It's a dangerously close spot. Nash tosses Outlaw to the outside of the ring. He gets a chair, and the referee is going to grab the chair. Why? This is a no DQ match. Why? Um, Outlaw, he hits a low blow. He hits a chair to the face of Nash. Then he goes for the turnbuckle. He sort of exposes it. And what I mean by sort of is that after he rips off the turnbuckle padding, there's like an extra layer that's underneath it. So he tries to basically bust open Nash through that way, but that doesn't work. Obviously, you know why. Uh, big boot by Nash. Nash is tossed into the referee, and they both go into the exposed turnbuckle, but Nash doesn't hit his head there, so there's that. Uh, low blow by Nash. Two snake eyes by Kevin Nash onto the exposed turnbuckle. Outlaw is busted wide open, but the referee is down. Jeff Jarrett, he just clocks Nash with the title belt and busts him open. There's a doctor that comes in along with the lawyer, Dagger. He comes out and he repairs the cut on Outlaw's face to where it looks like he didn't even get cut open at all. Referee comes to, he sees Nash is bleeding. Outlaw wins. Nash is able to get into the ring, beats down on Outlaw. He jackknifes him, but he also falls on his butt as do so, and they kind of credit it to the Outlaw working on the leg deal, which makes sense, I guess. So that's the end of that. I give this one a B because while even the weirdness of the referee deal was there, this was what it was supposed to be. It was supposed to be a physical match between these guys. It showcased them literally wanting to just destroy each other. It was great. So that was just short, sweet, and to the point. Was it the perfect match? Absolutely not. But it was a good match nonetheless. So we go on to the semi-main event, which is the ultimate X challenge for the TNA X Division Championship as AJ Styles defends against Ron Killings, Christopher Daniels, and Elix Skipper. Now, what this Ultimate X Challenge is that the four individuals here will be working with each other in a tag team match. Then, when one person gets pinned, that person is eliminated. Then it goes into a three way. They fight in a three way person gets pinned or made to submit that person is eliminated and then the final two combatants will battle in an ultimate x match the winner who receives who retrieves the x division championship in the middle of the x is the winner and the champion little bit of a mixed collusion but in all honesty i'll talk about it more so they mentioned the whole triple x deal where daniels and skipper they People would have thought, well, they're going to team up with each other. Dusty was like, uh-uh, that's not happening. You remember back at Turning Point where you guys lost the match? You're not allowed to team up again. So they have Skipper and Styles versus Ron Killings and Christopher Daniels, which was honestly really smart. It's one of those things where it's like, okay, they have continuity here. This is actually really cool. Uh, both both uh, Ron the Truth Killings and Skipper, they hit missile drop kicks. AJ Styles wants Daniels, but Daniels is like, uh-uh, not right now. We get a nice uh, middle-of-the-ring collision, an AJ Styles dropkick, which is beautiful. Lie detector by Truth to AJ. Uh, Daniels finally tags in, hits a leg lariat, and he gets a high knee, gets a high knee drop from AJ Styles. 
Uh, Skipper kicks at AJ as he bounces off the ropes, and Daniels is able to take advantage with an STO and also a neckbreaker. So, in a weird way, even though this is built as a tag team match, it is still every man for himself, which I thought was cool. Uh, Daniels goes for his Koji clutch, but reverts it into a crossface after they're not getting it in. He hits an acai moonsault inside the ring, which I thought was great. Inseguri by AJ Styles and Truth and AJ there in the ring. They actually double team hip toss Skipper into the ring because they know that Triple X is trying to make the numbers all about him. Uh, we see a bicycle kick by Truth to Skipper as well as a top rope axe kick. He almost gets the pin, but Daniels breaks it up. AJ Styles does the dive onto Daniels to the outside. We see the sudden death, the air raid crash by Skipper to Truth for the three count and the elimination. So now it turns into a three-way match between Skipper, Styles, and Daniels. Uh, AJ Styles, he flips over a German attempt by Skipper. Hits hard by Styles and... Oh, hard hits. They do like hard hits to each other. Daniels climbs to the top of the X, and a lot of people are like, well, no, you can't do that. You can't get the title yet. But he gets to the center of the X, and he does a version of the BME from that middle spot. It was awesome. It was absolutely great. Um, we see a triple X implosion in which we see Daniels and Skipper fighting each other. Clothesline to... Skipper, a follow-up Yurinagi by Daniels. Skipper flips up from a Spokingo attempt, and he just roundhouses Daniels. Skipper goes for a Tiger and Dragon Soup flex attempt on Daniels, but eats a phenomenal forearm by AJ Styles. AJ Styles hits a backbreaker and then a gut buster onto Daniels. We see Daniels and Styles fighting on the top rope, but Skipper has him eat a poison canrana from the top rope, which is a reverse hurricane rana. That was beautiful. Uh, and then Daniels tries to dive on Skipper, but he hits him with a powerbomb. We see Skipper hit a mule kick to Daniels in the corner. Styles, he uses the X to hit a shooting star press onto both of the opponents. Suplex into a neckbreaker by Styles to Daniels. He... Goes for the clash, but Skipper roundhouse kicks it, and then he's about to eat a uh, springboard backflip inverted DDT, but Styles gets countered into the <clears throat> into the uh, sudden death crash move. Daniels rolls up Skipper and eliminates him. So now it's down between Daniels and Styles, just like last month. Uh, Daniels he goes for the title, but AJ is able to hit. The backbreaker and Pele kick. Both of them go for the belts, but they both cause each other to fall. Uh, AJ Styles, he goes for the belt, but Daniels is able to go, to leap up into the air and hit an STO from midair. Both men do the same thing again where they go for the belt, but they cause each other to fall. They do this at least three times because it really showcases how these guys really want to just get that title, but they also are just ready to destroy each other. It's it's absolutely great. Third time, though, they hit the referee, so he gets knocked down. AJ Styles, he goes up. He gets the belt. He drops down. Everybody thinks, well, he's going to win. Daniels 
sees that the referee is down. He hits the angel's wings on Styles. He grabs the belt. Referee's coming too. And he's kind of rolling around and showcasing like, oh, yeah, I got the belt. I got the belt. And the referee sees it, calls for the belt. Daniels picks up the victory here and wins the X Division Championship. Now, despite there being a clunky finish and far be a controversial one, I actually give this matchup a solid A because the fact is that even though, yes, it was three matches in one, they did a good job of really making them work. And the final showcase between Styles and Daniels was really great. Like I said, it showcases that these guys are meant to work forever. They do an absolutely amazing job. And that finish definitely makes it to where Daniels is going to be a heel. And he's going to be one of those guys that you really want to pay attention to as time goes on. So really cool to really see that. So really good matchup. Definitely match of the night. We see Johnny Fairplay finds Lex Lovett and Buck Quartermain. I told you guys that they were going to make a comeback in this. And he basically picks them as their ta- as his tag team. And that's it. Finally, we go into the ringside revenge match for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. Diamond Dallas Page challenging Jeff Jarrett. So in this matchup, there are people that have done been done wrong by Jeff Jarrett. They're going to be at ringside. They are not acting as lumberjacks. They're just there because reasons. So that's really all it is. We see DDP is simply just saying, hey, it's time for me to get the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. And he kept saying the phrase, it's time, it's time, it's time. It's his time, basically. And... Jarrett is on this power trip, like, I'm the best, I can do it all, I'm going to be the champion for a long time, and blah, blah, blah. Uh, in this matchup, we see Monty Brown come out, we see the three live crew, Larry Zabisco, The Naturals, Candido, and Dagger all at ringside. And here's how it goes. We see Jeff Jarrett running scared, <clears throat> running scared from DDP until he's able to get a shot from him behind. We see him go for the stroke early on. DDP counters into the diamond cutter, but gets countered to three shoulder blocks by DDP, and then a discus line by Page, followed it up by a cactus clothesline where they both go to the outside. Uh, they attack on the table. They're showing leeway again for this matchup because, hey, it's for the title. It needs, there needs to be a winner. There just needs to be blah, 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 that kind of deal. So they're fighting in the bleachers, and DDP is just whipping his ass, just literally destroying Jeff Jarrett in there. And it's one of those things where... One report actually said that even though the match outcome is predictable, it's a fun matchup. And honestly, DDP, he makes the matchup really fun. He really makes these matchups just a lot better. He's able to get him back in the ring, hit an inverted atomic drop, punches. Uh, he gets a office chair, puts him in the office chair. He spin punches him in the office chair and then hits two boots, knocking him out of the chair. We get the 10-count punch in the corner until Jeff Jarrett hits a low blow. Then Jarrett takes the office chair and he drops it on DDP's leg, working on the leg a bit, setting up for the figure four. He works on the leg a little bit more. He goes for the figure four twice, but DDP is able to counter into a couple pin attempts for near three counts. We get a knee breaker and then the figure four happens, but DDP is able to get out of it. A sunset flip counter. Jeff Jarrett is able to Lock in a sleeper hold here, but then DDP is able to counter it into a sleeper slam. DDP with punches and then discs clothesline and a boot, and then he does a couple of turnbuckle smashes, a Uranagi slam, uh, 
they show a bit of time on Monty Brown, and that should be a moment that tells you, okay, something's going to happen with Monty in this matchup. Don't know what, but something is going to happen. So Paige is able to hit a sit-out powerbomb. The J-Squad, as I call them, that would be the Naturals, Candido, and Dagger, they come in, they try to interfere. Uh, Jared's able to hit a stroke for a two-count. There's a brawl with everybody, including Larry Zabisco and Chris Candido, which honestly is my favorite part of that brawl. Just seeing these guys literally beat each other is great. Uh, BJ James looks to hit Jeff Jarrett with the guitar, but he hits Conan by mistake. Uh, We see... Excuse me. Them take Conan out of the ring. Uh, Jeff Jarrett's on the top rope, but DDP shoves the referee into the ropes, which helps him out. Gets a crotch moment for Jeff Jarrett. Outlaw comes in. He hits the finisher to Page. One, two. Page is able to kick out. Then out of nowhere, here comes Sean Waltman, because why not? He hits some awesome spin kicks to Outlaw, as well as to Jeff Jarrett. A couple of Bronco Busters for the dudes. Then he's able to take Outlaw out of the matchup. He hits a Diamond Cutter to to Douglas, hits a diamond cutter to Candido, Page is able to hit a diamond cutter on Stevens, then he's able to hit the diamond cutter on Jeff Jarrett, Dagger is in the ring, he's in the he's in the ring, but then we see Monty Brown trying to even the odds, Monty Brown, he hits the pounce on Page, pulls Jeff Jarrett onto DDP, giving him the victory, after the match is over, we hear you know Mike Tanay saying like you did it you sold your soul you sold your soul to the devil himself how dare you do this Monty Brown just really playing it up that Monty Brown is a bastard <laughs> and kind of is in this situation I'm really confused about this because Monty Brown should be more against Jeff Jarrett than anything but this is also the beginnings of Planet Jarrett which honestly that's gonna be rough to watch I'm just being honest. I gave this matchup a B. It's a fun matchup to watch, like I said, during the match itself. Uh, Very little botches, and honestly, I think the story itself, with that bit of shock finish, really does make this matchup stand up quite a bit. Probably one of the better main events that I remember. So, yeah, no, I, I liked it. I thought it was fun. We get a lockdown promo, and that's the next show. After that... The show's over. Final grading for this one. I actually gave this a C. And the reason why I gave it a C was because of the fact that there was a lot of problems with some of the matches. But some of the matches that worked, shockingly enough, were the tag team match for the personal assistance spot. The Falls Count Anywhere matchup between Abyss and Jeff Hardy worked. Ultimate X challenge was great. Even the main event I thought was fun. So, to be honest, not a bad show. Could have been better. Lockdown is up next. It's going to be pretty good. So, with that being said, I've been Nate the Epic Great Guys. Thank you so much for tuning into this show. Thank you so much for listening in. Be sure to check out the other episodes that I have here. And be sure to also check us out on our Twitter page, Twitter handle, at Attic underscore Russell, which you can check out the Brace for Impact, Kings of the Rings, 
Young Lions Perspective, and Fretzelmania Podcast. We also have Patreon. We have a Teespring where you can check out our absolutely amazing merchandise. And be sure to keep wrestling positive. Keep wrestling real, you guys. Thank you so much for listening in. You can follow me on Twitter at RealFNGame as well as on my Instagram. You can also check out the Game Changer Podcast. And, yeah, no, that's going to do it for me here, you guys. I will talk to you next time. Bye.